6th of February. How good is this basketball team? Is it historic? What are other teams in NBA history that have been as good as this team done in their history? We'll talk about that. We'll preview the matchup with the Miami Heat, and we're live, so we'll take all of your questions and your comments. It's locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. It's a live Friday edition. We haven't gone live in a while. We're live on Instagram at DLock09. Thanks very much for tuning into that. We're live on Facebook at David Locke, as well as Locked on Live on Facebook. Twitch and Twi- uh, YouTube, and we're locked at on DLock09 on uh, Instagram. So thanks very much for jumping in. Our chat rooms will be open. Uh, I wanted to jump in and look at a few things today to open up the show. Uh, one of it's just kind of a reconfirmation of everything we know that we're watching right now, but I think it's an interesting concept is how are we doing against the best teams? Because Quite frankly, what the Jazz have done in the past is beaten up on the not very good teams and then struggled against the best teams in the NBA. If you look at our record a year ago and the year prior against teams that were above 500, it actually wasn't very good. That was kind of the, Frank, for me, that was like the nerve-wracking little number that was always out there was what what is our record against above 500 teams? And according to NBA.com last year, against above 500 teams, we were 13 and 18. And the year prior in the 2018-2019 season, when we finished with the fifth seed, we were 20 and 23. So we had never had an above 500 record against above 500 teams. And that led me to some, you know, feel like, okay, well, we feasted on the lesser teams. Our defense got it done. This year... We're 13 and five against above 500 teams. Now, certainly it's nice when you play an above 500 Clippers without Kawhi and Paul George or an above 500 Lakers without Anthony Davis or Dennis Schroeder, but that's still what we are. We're 13 and five. Those happened all of last year too. We've now won as many games this year against above 500 teams as we won all of last year against above 500 teams. So that's the first sign to me that something significantly different than it was before. The next one is a is a is a fun little metric on cleaning the glass. You can run the numbers on cleaning the glass of what you're doing against top 10 teams in any of the categories. And this to me tells an awful lot. So if we start with what are teams doing against the top 10 defensive teams in the NBA. So the idea here is all right, is our offense really legitimate? Is it good enough? Can we handle, you know, against the best teams? Because that's who you're going to play. The best defensive teams in the league are us. We're number one. The Lakers, who we have only played partially. The Knicks, who we've played. The Spurs, who we played early and blasted. The Golden State Warriors are now the fifth best team defensively in the NBA. Houston, who I don't believe we've played. Phoenix, Philadelphia, Indiana, and tonight against Miami, the 10th best team defensively in the NBA. So that that gives us a little bit. So if we look, we, we then, uh, thanks to the work of, of Ben Falk and cleaning the gra- glass, you can run like, okay, what are we against 
opponents that are in the top 10 defensively. The Brooklyn Nets have a 121 offensive rating against top teams in the league. The average in the league offensively against the top 10 defenses is a 109.4.5. Brooklyn's at a 121. As I've said before, Brooklyn's offense is somewhat breaking the game at this point. It's it's rather incredible uh, of what's taking place. We're second. We have the second best offense. We're seven and two overall against teams or top 10 defensive teams. And we have the best differential along with Brooklyn at 14.5. We're a 117.7. We're, our offense is eight points per 100 possessions better than what the top 10 defensive teams in the league allow. That's a big deal. Interestingly enough, by the way, Phoenix is third with the third best differential. So Chris Paul with his offense with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, like they've kind of figured this out. That's that's a great tribute. Now they've only played five of those games. They're five and zero against the top 10 defensive teams. Denver with Jokic, pretty unguardable, right? Pretty unguardable. Philadelphia, interestingly, with um, Embiid is the uh, is the fourth best team in that in that list. Um, Milwaukee with Giannis, okay, is actually third best. Phoenix is actually fifth. I had that reversed. The Clippers are the sixth best offense against the top teams in the league. Denver and is seventh, and then Portland uh, is eighth. So, um, you know, I think what what so what does this say? Everyone wants to know: Is it sustainable? No, that's not what everyone wants to say, but it's my pet peeve question right now. But like, okay, can we play without a superstar offensively against the elite defensive teams in the playoffs? And the answer is if we can keep the tempo quick, then we probably can. We're we're the, still the fourth best offensive rebounding team against these teams. Our turnovers are under control. We're still shooting it well. You know, can't will we be able to get our threes off against those teams? I think will def, is definitely a question inside of that we'll have to look at. But that's a great sign. Okay, the second question is that I think is always out there that people want to criticize and say, well, the Jazz aren't that good, is, well, against the top offensive teams in the playoffs, they play Rudy off the floor. Since I'm not allowed to swear on this show, I can't tell you what I really think of that argument other than the fact it's total bullcrap. So, who, what def- how are defenses doing against the top defensive top 10 offensive teams in the league. Utah has the number one offense or defense in the NBA against the top 10 teams. It's equally as dominant as Brooklyn's offense. It's a 108.9, the league average against the top 10 offenses in the league is a 117.4. Here's what that really tells you. Most top 10 offenses can break good defenses. Like the top 10 offenses in the league break defenses. 117.4 is the defensive rating. It's the top 10 offenses in the league. The Jazz is a 109. Eight points better. San Antonio is second at about a 110.6, 111. The Lakers are next at 113. Charlotte's next at 113. We're at 109. They're at 113. We're four points better than the sec- third best team. 
Phoenix gets back in here again. Again, give Phoenix, Phoenix got something going on. Phoenix is real. Phoenix is going to end up being the third seed. The Lakers are going to be the fourth seed. We're going to be the one seed. And the Clippers are going to be the two seed. Phoenix is real. Give Chris Paul credit. I didn't think they'd be able to make this big a jump. So their, their defense is the fifth best against 10 to, top 10 offices, then Memphis, then Oklahoma City, then Miami again. So Miami, interestingly, is 2-8 and eight in these games, but their defense holds up. Miami plays good teams well, which is worth kind of noting on that. So who, you know, when you look at who we are, we're playing the, the, the scenarios that are out there that try to refute what's going on with the Jazz tells you, that we're still that good. Now let's look at last year. Just to, in contrast, right? Like that was, this is the whole point. Like, well, are we actually better than we were at these things a year ago? So last year, when we played a top 10 defensive team in the NBA, a top 10 defensive team in the NBA, our offense ranked 21st in the NBA. 21st. Excuse me, when we played top 10 defense, we 21st. So we, when we played, as good as our offense was last year, when we played the top level teams, we were 21st in the league offensively. It's a little bit where I've talked about that, that number one ranking from December 25th on is a little misleading. It's, it's a little misleading because of the fact we didn't play all of the top teams in that time period. And we were about to go play them all when the league stopped. So what was our de- was how about our defense, which last year, remember, was only about 11th in the league, was not nearly as good as it was in the past. What was our defense when we played a top 10 offensive team last year? Right now, we're number one, right? Last year, when we played a top 10, the Lakers, by the way, were best. Toronto was second best, right? We were 16th. So last year's Jazz team, when it played a top 10 defensive team, was 21st offensively. And when it was top 10, playing a top 10 defensive team or offensive team, it was 16th defensively. It's not good. What about just playing the best teams? Opponent differential, top 10 last year. Where did we rank? And we were good last year. Not this good, but we were good. Where did we rank last year in this circumstance? Boston was the best in the NBA. Milwaukee was second, Lakers and Clippers. Almost nobody has a positive differential. We were 14th in the NBA last year at playing teams with a top 10 differential. How about this year? So these other teams have the best differential. In other words, offense minus defense. Look, the the best in the league is Brooklyn at plus 6.8. The next best in the league is Utah at plus 6.1. The third best is Phoenix again. This is actually Brendan Clean, Locked On Suns. Somebody go tweet at them that they should be listening to the first segment because for a jazz show, this is a Phoenix pump-up show. They're third best. Toronto, for all of their struggles, is fourth best. Tied with San Antonio, then Memphis, then Boston, then Clippers. I've got some crazy interesting notes for you that make you go, hmm, on this when we come back. Plus, we'll start taking your questions and we'll look at where the Jazz up to this point are historically because there's some interesting things on that as well. That's all coming up as we continue. Have you added Locked On today? I think it's just the best show ever. I built it, but 
I really love it. Like I listen to it every morning, 20 minutes uh, on the biggest stories in sports today. I found out about how good Michigan basketball was. I didn't know about that. I follow the jazz. I don't follow anything else. Great debate about Russell Wilson versus Deshaun Watson versus uh, Dak Prescott to wrap up the show. And then uh, the lead story of the day was the Russell Wilson controversy that's going on in Seattle. That's all at uh, brought from locked on today, iTunes, Spotify, wherever, go grab the show. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street in Logan and in Linden. And I should say here at my house, because my son's back in town from Jackson and our house looks like a Hyundai parking lot. Like we look like 4646 South State Street. His Santa Fe, my daughter's now driving, he's got her Santa Fe. I'm driving the Tucson. They're all lined up in the driveway right now. Come on by, we got great deals, 0% for 72 months at the Lockhouse. No, actually at 4646 South State Street in Murray, also located in Linden and in Logan. If you're gonna stop by, if you're looking for a car right now, I'm not gonna tell you what to buy, how to spend your money, but take a second and at least look at what you're getting from the Hyundai, decide whether it's right for you, whether you really, whether it's the right car, whether you might like it, a great deal. Check it out, Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden, and I'd love it if you'd stop by, and then we could, uh, we'll give you a little, email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com, and we'll set you up. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. The other great show we have out there is Locked on Bets. It's a 15-minute rundown of the biggest events of the sports world, of the betting world that Lee Sterling, our handicapper, thinks is the right answer for you. And hosted by your boy Q, who will become your best friend if you listen to him for a while because he's just such a great, enjoyable guy. It's all a bet, It's all brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real uptight, updated odds and props on everything you can imagine. And with the promo code locked on, you get a 50% welcome bonus. That's a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag with the promo code locked on. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All righty. Here's the fun little note on that. The Clippers against teams with a top 10 differential are eighth best in the league at minus 1.3, seventh best offensively, 15th defensively. They've had a lot of injuries, but still. The Lakers are four and six, 22nd best offensively, and eighth best defensively and the stunner which doesn't really impact us is milwaukee is two and seven with a minus 4.6 differential against the best teams ninth offensively 24th defensively uh so let's see i got a question coming in on instagram last year our second unit seemed to be outscored dramatically bad loss leads is that a factor in our improvement well, that is a great question from uh, De Dev man is happy. All right. I like people happy. You know what? Here's the beauty of the website, cleaning the glass, not to give him a free plug, but this is an E the answer is yes. It's an easy find, but it's predominantly Rudy versus non Rudy, right? I think when we're talking about bench unit, all of us would probably agree that we're talking about Rudy versus non Rudy minutes. Is that fair? We're better in Rudy minutes, but let's look at it last year. So let, let let's just take our look at, Rudy on this year versus Rudy on last year, and then take a look at Rudy off versus Rudy off. So last year, when Rudy is on the floor, we have a plus 6.4 differential. Not brilliant. 78th offensively, 80th defense percentile defensively. We're good. Our starting lineup, 
with Royce, Boyan, Joe, and Rudy without Mike Conley is a plus 15.2. With Mike Conley, our current starting lineup is a plus 11. That was last year, okay? Um, you start to get you know rid of some of the minutes of Emmanuel Moutier uh, last year. If you get rid of a Dante Exum minutes and you get rid of Emmanuel Moutier minutes and you get rid of Jeff Green minutes for Rudy, then all of a sudden that number jumps considerably uh, last year in probably to plus 9.4, okay? So probably that's a better number. Now we go to this year. So this is just Rudy on the floor. Dave, D- Dev man is happy is good question. With Rudy, we're plus 16. So not only are we just better, but we're better with our key lineup. We're just playing better. Our starting lineup, which was good last year, is now plus 15. Our bench unit, which we didn't have last year, which is Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, George Niang, and Rudy Gobert. Rudy playing in different minutes is plus nine and taking over 50% of their shots as threes. Our killer lineup, which was great last year, Donovan, Royce, Boyan, Joe, and Rudy is plus 23. It's pretty great. That was a good line. Remember, we, we just talked about that a minute ago. That line, that same lineup last year with Donovan at the point, Royce, Boyan, Joe, and Rudy was plus 15. So that's two years in a row. That lineup's pretty great. It's basically, you know, of our six main guys, but it's Joe in instead of Mike. Okay. Rudy goes off the floor last year. Tony Bradley. We tried Jeff Green for a while. It was We just didn't have it, right? It was just, when I talked about our 240 minutes, we just simply didn't have it. We we were we were we were short these minutes. Minus 6.2. The Mike Conley, this is the telling difference. This is what Derek Favors has done for us. The Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, George Niang, Rudy Gobert lineup. I just talked about it. It was like plus nine, 50% of their shots is threes, right? I just talked about it. Same lineup. Rudy Gobert out. Tony Bradley in a year ago, minus, oh, excuse me, plus 17. So we've proved that lineup can work. It was just as good. But Rudy Gobert off the floor, minus six last year. Minus six. So what Quinn's done is taken, okay, well, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, George Niang worked last year with Tony Bradley. Now we bring Rudy into that. But Derek's good enough. He can play the starters and now we have this dom- this bench unit that actually was pretty good at the back half of last year is now dominant. This year when Rudy's on the bench, and this is where Favors now playing against starters in big minutes, important minutes, allowing Rudy to play bench minutes is plus 7.3. It's a dramatic, that's it. That's So the two dramatic changes are we're actually better than we were with our regular unit. But we've gone from basically minus seven to plus seven with favor with Rudy off the floor. There's one lineup that's not working. It's Donovan, Jordan, Royce, Joe, and Faves. It's not sure why. Just hasn't quite clicked. Um, you know, Derek and Mike Conley don't play together because we match Mike with Rudy. So it's interesting to see. All right, one more note, then we'll get to your questions. 
Did I suddenly lose it? I couldn't have lost that window. I built this whole thing. Oh, here it is. Okay. There is a thing called simple rating system. I, I got to give a tip of the hat. I think Ben Dowsett or somebody found this yesterday. Team rating that takes into account your average point differential and strength of schedule. The rating is uh, denominated points above below average where zero is average. According to the simple rating system, the greatest team ever in the history of the NBA is the 1970-71 Milwaukee Bucks who won through the playoffs beating the San Francisco Warriors 4-1, the LA Lakers 4-1, and the Baltimore Bullets 4-0. The team, just so you can kind of put a perspective on how great a team we're talking about since it was one of the greatest teams of all time, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Oscar Robertson, Bobby Dandridge, with a collection of good bench players. The late Tom Nasalki was an assistant coach on that team. They were one of the great teams of all time. The second best team of all time goes down as the 95-96 Chicago Bulls team. Okay, we know that. That's Michael. The, they won seven. That's the first team to win 72. The next best team is the 71-72 Lakers. There's a reason I'm going through. Who swept the Bulls in the first round, swept that same great Buck or beat the Bucks team in five in six in the Western Conference. It was one of the great the Bucks team that lost that series with Oscar uh, was one of the great teams of all time. And then beat the Knicks. This team had Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Gail Goodrich, Happy Harrison, an old Elgin Baylor, Pat Riley actually came off the bench, uh, a, a loaded team. So Milwaukee, Chicago, the Lakers, the 16-17, or excuse me, these, yeah, the 2016-17 uh, Golden State Warriors, the team that beat the Cavaliers 4-1 in the finals, that beat the Jazz in the second round of the playoffs. It's the, step, it's the Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson team, arguably the greatest team of all time. Comes in as the fourth best team of all time. Okay, you wouldn't argue about any of these. Nobody would. Like, that's, people probably put the Bulls ahead of that Bucks team, but it's a discussion. So those are the top four teams in the history of the NBA, according to SRS. Let me skip the fifth for a moment. Let me just skip the fifth for a moment, just to validate the stat. The sixth is a 71-72 Bucks. I talked about that loss to the 71-72 Lakers. They, they won 63 games left. The Seventh is the 96-97 Bulls, which won 69 games. No complaints. The eighth is the Golden State Warriors that won 73 games and then lost in the finals. Interestingly, the ninth is the 15-16 San Antonio Spurs who lost to those goal, who lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder in the playoffs. Surprisingly, that year, the same year that the Warriors went on to win it. It was kind of a stunner when they lost that. The 91-92 Bulls, which is the Michael Jordan championship team, is the 10th best. Oh, shall we continue? The 11th best is the first Curry team. The 12th best is last year's Bucks team, which lost in the playoffs. The 13th best team of all time is the 07-08 Boston Celtics team that won it. The 14th best team is the young Oklahoma City Thunder team that fell in the second round, the 85-86 Celtics, which many people, including Bill Simmons, will promote as the greatest team of all time, come in at 15th. 
The um, I don't know. The 16th best team takes us back to like 1946-47. Okay. The fifth best team, according to the SRS rating, are the 26 and 6 2021 Utah Jazz. It's early. We've played 32. They all played 82. We'll only play 72. But just to put in context of what we're watching of the greatest teams of all time, we have played in 32 games to the level of the greatest teams in the history of the game. That's all it means. That through 32 games, we have played at the level of the greatest teams in the history of the game. The game has certainly changed, by the way. We are the best offensive-rated team that Basketball Reference has listed in their top 50 teams of all time. It's not interesting. That's because the game is, you know, we, we can do math now. We're a better offensive team than any of those Warriors teams right now, statistically. How's that for cool? pretty wild that's why we did a live show so i could watch your oh i can't watch your reactions to that but that was the idea all right let's get to your questions your comments as we continue the show's going long it always does when we're live we'll get to it we'll continue your questions coming up live today on locked on live on facebook on twitch and on youtube at david lock on facebook if you follow me at locked on sports that account is getting shut down so follow me over if you're still a facebook user at david lock also, DLock09 on Twitter and on Instagram. It is Locked on Jazz Live Edition coming your direction day. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks for all the iTunes reviews. We'll continue coming with more here on Locked on Jazz. All right, who won our poll yesterday? Did Mike Conley or Jordan Clarkson win our Joy Player of the Week? I'll have to go. I'm, I'm scanning to see. There's, there's many a retweet to to be thrown out there before uh, Mike Conley at 43.5% won our Michelob ultra player brought us the most joy. George Niang came in second at 52% Rudy Gobert at 19 and Joe Ingles at 15%. Uh, percent. All right, let me go to the questions. I'm going to go reverse order. Jacob Morgan buyout market. Who do you think fits best? Would you want Blake? What's his latest buyout? I don't know if I want Blake. Um, Blake would replace, would give us some strength and size. If you need the Blake minutes, you could probably get those out of faves. He's not that good anymore. His legs don't work. Some nights he is good. Some nights he doesn't. A better training staff. Detroit's training staff is probably pretty good. Uh, him playing 15 minutes a night. Do you revive him in some way? He's talented. He's big. He's, he's Blake Griffin. But the reality of what Blake Griffin is versus what he is right now, I don't know. I really don't. So, you know, he's taking George Niang's minutes in that second unit. He's giving us a little more size, but, like, is he guarding LeBron? Is he guarding Kawhi or Paul George? Is he guarding – he's not guarding anybody on Phoenix. Like, if our matchups are going to be – our eight seed is Dallas. He's not matching anyone. Or Portland. He's not matching anyone. Is he guarding – Anybody on Phoenix or the Lakers? And is he guarding anyone on the Clippers? 
In regards to the buyout market, the one thing that I would say is, you know, can you find someone that gives us insurance? It's a really complicated concept. Like you're trying to win a championship. You'd like to get better, but you don't want to disrupt the 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 vibe and the energy and kind of send this like message like, oh, George Niang, who's like everybody's best friend on the team. We're going to, we're benching you despite everything you've brought to the team now because we found someone better for the playoff rush. Like that's, that's a risky move. It might be the right move, but this is not rotisserie. This is not Stratomatic. This is not Xbox. This is not NBA 2K Live. These are humans who have a bond in a locker room. So, you know, is there... If Rudy, uh, here's my theory on some of this. Like, if Rudy goes out, we're done. Like, we're not winning a championship, even with anything else. So I don't try to build a, a, a game plan to say, well, if Rudy gets hurt, we're going to do this. If Rudy gets hurt, we don't win the title or compete for it. But if, like, Boyan or George gets hurt, we're pretty thin, pretty fast there. So is there a backup for that maybe doesn't take minutes from George Niang or maybe in a certain matchup or... It gives us a little versatility in that realm. That might be interesting to me. We don't have two wing defenders. Most people don't. The way the Clippers went at Boyan the other day made me uncomfortable. So I wonder a little bit of whether or not there's a way we could go grab some sort of backup four or some sort of wing defender who doesn't necessarily think they're going to play. Right, so Nima Bialica is in Sacramento in purgatory. Is pretty darn good shooter, a little longer than George. Getting old, but he he's got a little something to him. Um, you know, I like his game. Would he be is Sacramento going to buy him out? Can you go get him for a second round pick? Can you do something with Sacramento on him? He's not playing. He comes to us. He probably doesn't expect to play. But it's pretty good depth in case either Boyan, like if Boyan got hurt, actually, I think he could start. Um, or you could figure something out, like it's a stretch that, like, but you'd beat that would that would help. Is there a athletic wing, probably can't shoot, who you're willing to have on the floor um at some point in time just to get those, you know, to maybe key possessions where it's Kawhi, Paul George, and Lou Williams all on the floor together, and we know they're gonna go at somebody. And we need to have a fourth defender, a third defender on the floor. I mean, frankly, we have the the um, the best wing defender in the league in Rudy because it keeps everybody off the rim. But Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, all have pretty good mid range games, so that's a little bit of a, a problem. Um, Eric says, "Thank you. You truly make being a Jazz fan better." Any thoughts on trades, or do we maintain? I think I just kind of got into it. I don't think there's trades to be made, um, and we don't have a lot of picks left. Um, on that, um, according to ESPN, our remaining schedule is the easiest in the NBA. I'm not sure how that bodes for tough teams in the playoffs. Do we start load management? I don't think we start load management for a few reasons. One is until, unless someone's hurt, but not consciously because you lose the rhythm of your players and we're rolling. Um, and then secondarily, um, you know, if we have the number one clinched, I think you'll see what we've done in the years past where you kind of play with some minutes, but I mean, I think we're going to be the number one seed, guys. Like, Clippers lost last night to Memphis. Lakers are playing injured. We're up five in the loss column. We're 26 and six. If we go 25 and 15 the rest of the way, which is actually hard to believe right now, it's possible. They have to go 31 and nine to catch us. 
Like if they're doing any load management, they can't go 31 and nine. So I really do believe we're the number one seed. I think what gets most interesting here is how many fans are in the building by the time we get to the playoffs and how healthy the country's getting and whether or not we can have a home court advantage. Because that place will be, you want to see the top pop off something, jazz fans with 12 months of waiting to cheer. The jazz drop Shaq Harrison to the jazz, bring in attract anyone to help fill our playoff needs. If so, who might be a good fit? The same question I'm getting for a lot of people. Um, and I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll have to dig into it a little bit more. It, what's, here's what's interesting about this year. Because of, and I love this, because of the new play-in games, the, the league's discovering all sorts of things. The play-in games are great. I actually thought the schedule release was great. We should do this all the time, the second half schedule. So right now in the Eastern Conference, teams that you usually would think maybe would drop some guys you might be interested in, the Knicks, Chicago, Charlotte, they're all in the playoffs. Atlanta is 11-1 game out. Washington's two games out. Orlando might drop some, drop at some point and, and, and punt. Cleveland and Detroit, I don't think are trying to, you know, maybe Cleveland will try to, to get in, but they've lost 8-10 and fallen apart. So Orlando, like, look at their roster. Like, do they buy anyone out? Over in the West, like, Memphis is in right now. Taylor Jenkins just does amazing work there. Dallas is in. Golden State's in. San Antonio's in. New Orleans is only a game and a half out. Thunder probably. So is there, you know, is there somebody on the Thunder that they're willing to for a buyout candidate? Um, Sacramento is um, probably out. Houston's out. They're falling apart. And Minnesota. So is there anybody on those rosters that you'd want? The the one that just jumped out to me right away there, and and I don't know how you do it, and I don't know what he does for us, and he'd want to play is Danilo Gallinari, I still think, is just a wonderful player. Just a wonderful, wonderful player. And Oklahoma City, I would assume, moves him at some point here. The two players... Oh, wait. Danilo Gallinari signed in Atlanta. I'm sorry. My bad. I don't know why I just screwed that up. Uh, the two... The, the player that I think changes the landscape of the playoffs is Al Horford. If Golden State or Dallas trade for Al Horford, I think they're really, really good all of a sudden. Um, can you get, I don't know if, why you really want him, but like someone like Mike Muscala that gives us a stretch five. I'm just looking at their roster. Someone's going to get George Hill. I don't need it. Um, Houston's roster is interesting. I, I do think they're going to fall apart a little bit more. Um, I'm not the biggest PJ Tucker um, fan. Uh, Jetty Zaug, who's a longtime follower of the show, just dropped in like, what about PJ Tucker? I don't see him fitting for us. I think he ends up on the Lakers or someone like that. I don't know. He totally, f- Lakers need shooting. Um, there's a young kid on Houston, Nawaba, who I think is a pretty good defender at 6'5", maybe in some ways there. Um, I'm not the biggest Daniel House Jr. guy. I think he's a product of their system. He can't really dribble or pass. Like We're unique in the sense that we need guys that can actually move the basketball and dribble and pass. Maybe House can. I just He hasn't been asked to. Like That's also what our scouting department's been so good at is being able to recognize players who don't necessarily use that skill somewhere else. Like, I don't think people realize Boyan was this wide ranging of a player. Um, you know what? I'll throw out an interesting name. Al Farouk Aminu as a backup four. 
in case of injury would be an interesting piece for me off Orlando's roster. I've always liked him. He's fierce. He's 30. He's experienced. He's a pro. He's supposed to be a great guy. He's a pretty good rebounder. Can't shoot it great. Can't pass it great, but play the four, sit in the corner. Probably above average on that. Um, that might be it. I keep playing down these rosters. There just aren't a lot of rosters that are going to be willing to do this. Uh, question about Azubuke. You know, the G League is going to be over pretty soon. That was a severe, severe um, injury. I think it's Karis Levert-like. I mean, he just didn't fracture the ankle, so he, it's Karis Levert, not Gordon Hayward. Um, but that was pretty severe. I doubt he plays this year. I don't know that, but I, I would just doubt it. Um, I mean, we all saw the video. Like, I'm just going off that. That seems sufficient for me. Um, and the G League's ending pretty soon. So um, I think that tells a little bit. All right, let me jump up to the top of our questions today. Steven, good morning to you too. Um, Dallas, is it crazy that people don't watch the Jazz more? You know what? Not really. Like, why do you, like, I don't, like, I get paid to watch the game and I watch the teams I care about. Like, I find myself watching Charlotte all the time because I'm just into LaMelo. I actually find myself watching Memphis all the time because I'm into what Taylor Jenkins is doing. Those are weird things to watch. But teams don't watch their – if they're not their team, they don't watch it. Like, um, so I think that's a lot of draft questions. Tyler Tucker, do you think any All-Stars choose not to play in the All-Star game this year? Well, I listened to Paul George just – moan and groan about how uh, 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 shut up and don't play and let Mike Conley play. Fine. Go home. Let Mike Conley play. Paul. Jeez Louise. Seriously. That whole, I mean, I get, no, I don't actually, I didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. Actually. I'll take it back. I didn't get it. Um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know if like it feels as though by saying we shouldn't be playing this game, you're on some higher ground. Maybe that's it. Um, who knows? What are your thoughts about the Jazz finishing first in the West and how the playoffs could go? I think we're going to finish first in the West. Like, I really believe it. Like, guys, I didn't like four and four. Like, I didn't think we were great when the year started. I didn't think we had a great vibe. I, I did a bunch of shows about we didn't have play hard. Like, don't misunderstand. Like, I'm, they, they've won me over. I, I like if you go back and listen to my shows early in the year, we didn't have, I talked about it. we didn't have play hard guys. We were talent. We didn't have play. We got it all. We're rolling right now. And and Quinn's just figured it out. Um, he's absolutely great. Ryan Scott Lighthouse says, Have you seen the updated 538 projection projections? It's insane. I have not. What is insane about it? He asks. Every that's like a tease. Well, I must check. They have a nice Shay Gilgis Alexander article I'll have to read today. The Jazz chances of winning the NBA Finals are 21%. The Bucks are at 17. The Clippers are at 16. And the Nets are at 12. <laughs> Makes sense. We just talked about they were the fifth best team in the NBA history. Projecting us at 56 wins and 16 losses. And the Clippers next at 48. Chance of making the finals, 34%. Clippers, 26. Lakers, 18. I'm not sure I think much of this in the sense it's criticizing the Lakers for not having Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder, which they'll have in the playoffs. Doesn't have the Nets probably high enough. But we have the 34% chance of making the finals, 21% chance of winning it in this eight-game lead, a 10-game projected over the Lakers, and eight-game over the Clippers. Have a good day, everybody. Chew on that. Enjoy yourself. Have a great weekend.
How do I turn you off, Instagram? <laughs>